0: Right, welcome listeners to episode 14 of the Precious Snowflake Podcast. We are, or I am, uh, your co-host Ben Phelps. And I'm Lilius Rose. And I'm the producer, Chris Villarreal.
1: And today is Friday. No, Thursday. It's
0: Thursday, July the 13th, 2017. Yes. You're getting ahead of yourself. Today (laughs) today we will be discussing uh, libertarian candidates for political office. Coming in this election cycle, and the and where's the fire? The excitement that is the latest news on treason watch. So, shall we get shall we get started?
1: Absolutely. Uh. Uh.
0: Our listeners will likely know that we are, all of us in this room, I believe, members of the Libertarian Party. Well, I got uh, a provisional
2: permit. <laughs> I'm testing out the waters,
0: testing it out. Right. There there are varying levels of, of commitment in the room. And, you know, it's good when you're in a sort of provisional space to look at not just what's the platform, what are the principles, but to also look at who are the activists. And most importantly, I would say, who are the candidates, who candidates are, tells us a lot about where, a, where a party's real priorities are. Um, And we've got some serious and exciting news. Um, We do. We do. So, the first, so there are three major, you know, big time libertarians, all of whom ran for president or vice president at the last national convention, who are now running for major office. Uh, And those are Austin Peterson, who ran for the presidential nomination running in the Republican primary to be the, uh, to be the new senator from Missouri. He, if he wins the Republican primary, he'll be running against Claire McCaskill, uh, Democrat, and Alicia Dern, who was one of the candidates for vice president at the Libertarian Convention, who is actually running for the same Senate seat in Missouri, but for the Libertarian nomination, not in one of the two major parties. And then the most recent big one is Larry Sharp who was another vice presidential, you know, nominee candidate type uh, from the last convention, who is now running for governor of New York. Uh, And he, despite the way the ballot system works in New York, where you can run on many parties, he has committed himself to running solely as a libertarian. Uh, It would seem, in order to prove that a libertarian party candidate can go the distance So Austin Peterson is probably,
1: of these candidates, the most high-profile to people who are not Libertarian Libertarian Party Party insiders, (laughs) as we are. Uh, And he's kind of been getting the most media attention with the uh, announcement of his run. And for what I think is for a reason that's actually uh, kind of a bad thing, which is that he's decided to run as a Republican rather than as a Libertarian, (laughs) which has gotten a lot of attention, both good and bad. Within the Libertarian Party, I, I would... My my sense is that it's been mostly negative, especially oh, yeah. from from the party's oh, leadership. I yeah. Yeah, understand. Good for my end. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I on on I remember at, at the convention, it, you know, after after he had lost, uh, he was he was running for the presidential nomination against uh, Gary Johnson, and I remember you know he was kind of trying to be magnanimous, and I was in. Kind of a forgiving mood at the time, even though he had he had said some things that I, you know, he made some statements it, that I, I thought were not very helpful. It to had the been party. a
0: very, it was a very contentious yeah, it race. A little,
1: it had gotten a little nasty between him and Gary. But you know, Austin Peterson, for those who are not really familiar with him, he's kind of he kind of comes from the a more conservative side of the libertarian. Right, he
0: comes from the right. Yes, yeah. You know, we we have talked a lot lately, in particular about libertarians coming from the right or coming from the left. Mm-hmm. I mean we all uh, come from somewhere, right? Right, everyone comes from somewhere. Not all of us just pop right out of, you know, some sort of centrist utopia. <laughs> right. Right. And there are some people, there are some serious activists who are like, I'm a second generation libertarian. This mm-hmm. is this is what I was raised into. This is what I know.
1: But that's fairly that's that's fairly rare.
0: that's fairly rare. Most of us either come from the Democratic Party originally or come from the Republican Party. And even though we tend to circle around to similar policy preferences where we may love the statement of principles of the Libertarian Party equally, uh, there are cultural things that we bring from <laughs> where we've been that are, and I'm not talking about like social issue cultural, although that's part of it, but just sort of cultural attitude thing. Right. Um, Austin Peterson very clearly comes from from the right. Well, sure.
1: I mean, some of his signature issues that diff that kind of make him, you know, who he is, are his um, support for Second Amendment rights, a special emphasis on. I mean, he's he's kind of a he's kind of into guns. I think it's fair to say that oh, he's yes. a, a gun enthusiast, someone who's very a uh, very vocal supporter of the Second Amendment, and also he's uh, unapologetically pro life, which are two things that I think a lot of us who come who. Who originate from the left kind of bristle at. I mean, oh, yeah. on in, in general, I'm generally supportive of Second Amendment rights. I don't necessarily think it's an absolute right or that we shouldn't have any sort of, you know, restrictions on I, I, I'm kind of of two minds when it comes to gun rights. On on one hand, I think it's, you know, that if you haven't done anything wrong, you know, you should. It's not something that we should be restricting arbitrarily. But at the second time I there's a certain kind of strident, you know. Well, the only way to really, you know, protect yourself against gun violence is is to have more guns. I find that kind of disingenuous and 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 hypocritical. <laughs> I don't
0: know. I you know, I come from a family where my my parents, my dad grew up hunting cuz he grew up mm-hmm. in rural Oregon. My mom grew up in New York, so not so much. Uh and they're they're very strong advocates for gun control. And I am just not like I (laughs) I'm very one of the things that I am most sort of orthodox about in my own belief system is uh, I tend to be very intense when it comes to the literal meanings of constitutional passages. And I don't believe that you can read like Supreme Court has ruled that the Second Amendment Guarantees an individual a constitutional right to bear arms, right? And the general purpose of that is, if the government becomes too tyrannical, an armed Mm. populace is what stands in the way of fascism. And
1: that's kind of reading into the Second Amendment. You're uh, something that was written in, you know, the 1780s. But
0: (laughs) well, from an originalist perspective, right?
2: It's something we never thought would like think of until the tyrant actually shows up.
1: Well, and I believe the Second Amendment does mention something about a well-organized militia, not necessarily just a bunch of you know yahoos running around with
0: guns. Well, except that a well-organized militia at that time was someone running into the town square and saying, "The British are here! Pull out your guns!" Yeah. Like, <laughs> sorry, that was that's a well-organized militia from the perspective of many of the authors of the, or many of right. the signatories of the I, Constitution. And I, and I get that.
1: At, at the same time, I do not, I cannot abide. You know, people who are irresponsible with guns.
0: Who? Well, that to me is a very different that, thing. That I is, don't. I... I. I. I.
1: I. I don't think the right to have a gun is is an is an absolute thing that can't be you know regulated or, or restricted. I mean, there's just there we, we just... have guns are just so easy to get. They're so. They're so. You know, they're just so ubiquitous and relatively cheap. And there's a. And you know, there's just. It's it's not the 1780s anymore.
2: You know? Yeah, there are some people, and they handle guns like this. Is Ugh, why so we you... can't have nice things. It's, well, they're it's also very
0: much they're also way. ubiquitous and very cheap in places like Chicago, mm-hmm. where you cannot have a gun store, and yet oh, yeah. on the street they are ubiquitous and cheap. So the restrictions on gun ownership in Chicago sure. haven't done a whole lot. I mean, I I I have brought up. I, I like to bring up Switzerland when people talk about guns. And I had someone actually say to me once, like, don't bring up Switzerland, preemptively. <laughs> I was like, no, I know what you're going to say why you shouldn't bring up Switzerland. And and here's the thing. In Switzerland, they have often fully automatic weapons in every home. There is mandatory gun ownership in Switzerland. And yet... Don't they have training? Bingo. Uh, ex-
1: well, so, that's what I was so going to get we're at. Gonna, if
0: we're <laughs> going to talk about you know, control and regulation, I would rather it be on the end of safety and security training. Like specifically, you know, when we license someone, I mean, this is unpopular in the libertarian party.
1: If you're going to own, you know, it's, you know, some extremely powerful, you know, weapon. I, I don't think there's anything. I think there's a, a certain responsibility that comes with owning something that can do that much damage I, it's not that I think pe- a lot of people. You hear this argument a lot from people on the left. It's like they, these are just killing machines meant for the military, and that or, ordinary citizens have no business owning one. I'm I don't, well, I, don't I don't I don't I'm not coming from that angle. I I to me, if you want to have something like that, it's not it's it's not an absolute right that comes with no responsibility. If you want to own something that can cause that much carnage, I think you have a responsibility to 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 you know. To, to know how to use it, to know how to take care of it, and, to know how to keep it away from, you know, criminals or or, or children who might get their hands on it. Yeah. It's And if you do, you know, if it does fall into the wrong hand, if you do, you know, behave negligently with your gun and and it gets used in a, a crime or someone gets hurt, I think you should be held responsible
0: for that in a pretty severe way. Well, I do think that we don't hold people responsible for their own failings enough in our society. But that's a... This sort of, this this blasé <laughs> attitude, though, that the NRA has of, well, the only,
1: you know, the only solution to a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. I mean, what about a, a toddler who finds it in a fully loaded, you know, Glock and on the top shelf of the closet? What is, is that, is that, a, is that, is that little kid a bad guy with a gun? I mean, it's the good gonna... guy with a gun should be his daddy who keeps it uh, locked up. And doesn't, you know, act like a jackass or someone who keeps it there's just so many irresponsible people with guns who are same time seems like they're the biggest defenders of the Second Amendment. But they don't wanna they don't they, they want the rights, but they don't wanna have any of the responsibility. I mean the whole point of the Second Amendment is the reason you need to have a gun is to protect the country, right? But that's not why a lot of people who, you know, champion the Second Amendment, it's like, oh, we want to protect us from, you know, the government,
0: whatever, who's gonna come and Well, but that you know. is the point. Protecting us from the government is the point. You know, the founders were very clear yeah. that It doesn't usually work out too well when people try to No. Do that. But conceptually, mm-hmm. the you know, the government is supposed to fear the people. The people are not supposed to fear the government. And the way you achieve that is through an armed populace. I
1: think that makes more logical sense in terms of protecting us from like foreign
0: invaders. Well, that that may have made that also may have made more sense in the in the 1790s, but it's still there. It's still Mm -hmm. in the Constitution. And I think that it's important to respect that. I, I also think, you know, they there's a commonly known rule that like if you bring up. If you bring up Hitler, the Nazis, (laughs) in an argument on the internet, you've immediately lost. But I think this is actually one of those few... Oh yeah, Godwin's Law. I love that rule. This is one of the few places where I think that actually applies well.
2: (laughs) Unfortunately, Godwin's Law has been suspended since July 2015.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so
2: but here's the thing. Before we get back Ooh. to talking about Austin Peterson, I mean, the Second Amendment
1: says it doesn't say anything about tyrannical government. It says no, but that's secu- it, it says a, a well-regulated militia is necess- is necessary to the security of a free state. The security of the state, not
0: security no, from the, security, the state. No, security security within and without. Right. It's because they were they they didn't like the idea of a standing army. They also. They also had just fought a revolution against what mm-hmm. they saw as tyrannical government. For well, them... that's tyrannical foreign government. It was the same... It was their government. Yeah, guys, yeah, well, for, yeah but
1: it was the, you know, a government that was overseas thousands of miles
0: away. Yeah, but... ruling them from afar. There are other places... Who showed up can, in force when they rebelled. There are other places where you can see the Founding Fathers writing about hmm. this in greater oh, detail. Sure. And they always talk about you know, making sure that the government cannot come and seize people and violate the Constitution. Oh, of course. And, you know, the third and, amendment and is very And arming about the that. people, arming the people is one of the ways to guarantee that. Right. But I was just going to say, yeah. like, Godwin's law aside, <laughs> Nazi Germany was one of the only countries in the world to achieve 100% illegal personal gun ownership. Hmm. They, that was one of the first things they did is they, when they came into powers, they disarmed the German people. And they had had their own paramilitary wing when they were just a political party. You know, things had been violent and contentious before they swept into power. Once they did, they said, oh, things have been so violent, so contentious. We're going to ban personal use of firearms in order to make things safer and easier. And then, you know, (laughs) history marched on. Mm -hmm. Um, That, I think, is... A clear example of what happens when you disarm the populace. Like you cannot trust that the government won't abuse its power when the people cannot fight back. But yeah, that's. uh, Now that we've, now that we've discussed Hitler a little bit, let's go back to Austin Peterson. Um, Nice segue. Right. So we were
1: talking about these different uh, libertarian candidates who are running for office. So yes, Austin come is, definitely comes from a more conservatarian, quote well, unquote, For those of place. you... And now he's running as
0: a Republican. For those of you who who don't know who Austin Peterson is and haven't Googled him yet, he used to work for the Fox Business Network, mm-hmm. which is a branch, you know, it's related to Fox News, but it tends to have a more libertarian-ish bend. Um. Uh, and he used to specifically work on the show that was built around and run by Judge Andrew Napolitano, who is known for being a sort of conservatarian legal expert. I think he had been uh, he'd been on the Supreme Court of the state of New Jersey. He may have been Chief Justice, I'm not sure. Uh, but Napolitano, or Judge Knapp as people call him, <laughs> had had this show that was popular for many years uh, for sort of espousing libertarian beliefs from a conservative from a conservative perspective, and then he lost his show because he criticized the Bush administration one too many times allegedly uh, so Austin got his start working on that show and then left when Judge Knapp left and ended up founding websites. Uh, Like Liberty Viral, and I think being libertarian, the Libertarian
1: Republic is right. The
0: Libertarian Republic and Liberty Viral Mm -hmm. were both started by him, Mm -hmm. and he is a self-described, self-made millionaire. (laughs) It's hard to know what exactly his deal is when it comes to that, but he likes he likes to position. He pitches himself like he's some sort of new generation millionaire media mogul. Mm. Uh, who's managed to build himself up from nothing to something and
1: there's always something about Austin that's kind of rubbed me the wrong way maybe it's just the way his his public persona the way the way the way, the way that a lot up, of his supporters come across kind of groupy, like you know it's it it's, it the, the way he kind of panders to those to the that those Maroes. to social conservatism you know things that to me do not seem very fairly consistent with libertarian values?
0: Well, I think um, Arvind Vora, the much-embattled vice chair of the Libertarian Party... Ooh, I heard about this guy. ...wrote... <laughs> yeah. Arvin Vora, who deserves his own segment, uh, actually did write a really great piece about his personal opinion of, of Austin Peterson. And one of the things he talked about was that AP loves to ignore... The actually really big issues to libertarians, like <laughs> like pulling back military interventions, you know, Austin is more like a neo hawk, neo con on that front. He's
1: kind of he's 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 he, sort of he's he's almost Trump like in a way that he that he panders to people's most you know basest right.
0: instincts. Well, so he he tends to avoid the big issues mm-hmm. like cutting military spending and, and he goes with reducing intervention level things, right? And like, he goes for the wedge issues like mm-hmm. abortion you know he yeah, walked or, or, into the convention wanting the anti-abortion libertarian vote he thought that would be enough to put him over the top mm-hmm. of course it wasn't because they're actually <laughs> still a minority within the libertarian party right Hooray. Um, yeah he's yeah the pandering it's and the sort of like frat bro attitude of his supporters who showed up at the national convention Oh my god. <laughs> AP for LP, AP for well, LP. Well, yeah, it's it's like this kind of
1: like like this cult of personality bullshit that I I find very yeah. So, I mean, I here's the thing. I was of kind of two minds. On one hand, Austin, he he attracts some very, you know, you know, very enthusiastic support. He brings people in, but at the same time, if he's just going to turn it into like if he's just going to turn it into his own personal you know, cheering if he's—it almost had a, almost a, a tinge of a, of a of like a Pat Buchanan or kind of yeah. like, all right, I'm I'm sort of just bringing in my own crowd and you know trying to change fundamentally what this party is about by being a liberty a liberty minded you know well. Watered right. down Republican. So he
0: he put up, and now he's officially a watered down Republican. <laughs> right. So he he came into the Libertarian Party National Convention uh, with a massive self made base of support, mm-hmm. with a huge internet support group. Uh, you know, on sort of a wave of bringing in his own people, and then when he did not win the nomination, he, I agree. I thought at the time, very graciously endorsed the Gary Johnson ticket, Gary Johnson candidacy. Right. Um, and that was sort of that. I actually, I actually, I actually told him to, to his face. I really hope you
1: stay in the party. <laughs> right. So, I was feeling that magnanimous. One of the things that <laughs> I shook his hand and said, I really hope you stay.
0: <laughs> right. Well, one of the problems that comes up is one of the things that Arvin said that I think is really interesting is, a. Uh, Arvin said in his post about Austin Peterson, I actually hope to someday see three libertarians in every race. One running as a libertarian, one running as a Democrat, and one running as a Republican. (laughs) But in Arvin's opinion, Austin was never a real libertarian Mm -hmm. because of those issues like military intervention, where he was too far outside of the libertarian mainstream to really call himself one, where he really was republican light. Well, and now he's
1: going to run as a Republican. I guess he's officially... I don't know whether he'll be back in the LP. I, 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 I think the odds are fairly low that he's going to get the nomination and even lower that he would be able to beat Claire McCastle if he did get it.
0: But. You know, people thought Rand Paul's chances yeah. were pretty low, and I think that's what he's betting on. So he's going to... Because Rand Paul ended up in the, in the Kentucky primary... Running against Mitch McConnell's protege. And he mm-hmm. won, and then he won. And McCaskill is supposed to be particularly weak in this election. Uh so if if he gets and here we get to our second person in this group. Yeah, let's talk about the ones we like now. <laughs> if he if he manages to somehow totally upset the Republican primary, he won't just be facing Claire McCaskill. He will also be facing Alicia Dern. Yes, who is more qualified, better qualified, in more or less every respect. So, if we're gonna, I mean,
1: if 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 Austin is an as a prime example of a libertarian who's pandering and cynical and <laughs> talking out of both sides of his mouth, Alicia Dern is the polar opposite. Oh yeah, <laughs> somebody. She's the opposite of someone who's you know like. Kind of narcissistic, frankly <laughs> I almost wanted to call him the the libertarian Trump, but i i, don't, I wouldn't go that far mm. but <laughs> I don't think Austin is quite that anyway, but yeah alicia dern what what kind what can we say about alicia dern she's uh she's a, a lawyer currently uh lives in San Diego, but she has roots in missouri that's where she's from,
0: yeah right? she lived in Missouri up until recently uh she is a lawyer and the CEO of her law firm uh she has had, boy, she had a challenging life, right? Oh yeah, she's had a she's had a number of health
1: issues. But I mean, man, talk about someone who she's been she was homeless at one point. She got a, got screwed over by her by her bank who had her mortgage. I mean, really screwed over. I mean, yeah, she has... She not her fault.
0: Uh, she, she
1: got foreclosed even though she was making her payments, <laughs> just because they miss you know in during the mortgage foreclosure crisis and everything they were just apparently misplacing her
0: her money they didn't know where it was uh she has faced discrimination as uh as both a woman in general and specifically as a woman with uh repeated health issues that are you know d- gender-based you know some real challenges and then you know had
1: her people you know her job you know employers punish her for Stuff like that—that that
0: was certainly not her fault, right? So, so unlike uh, my my impression of, of for example, Austin Peterson's career up until now, is that he has lived in the rarefied world of right wing media, mm. and so he takes that right wing media attitude into whatever he does. And he's young, and he's rich, and he's sort of got whatever he you know he wants. Uh, Alicia is someone who is clearly. Had to fight tooth and nail for everything that she has, and the fact that she is a successful CEO of a successful law firm uh, just speaks volumes about her quality as a person. One, um, um,
1: if I mean my as a leader. I mean, I was impressed when I met her at the convention, just talking to her face to face. But to me, the most, one of the most dramatic moments at our convention last year, Memorial Day weekend, when we nominated our... Set the you know, she, stage for Well, us. I mean, she uh, was one of a handful of candidates running for the vice presidential nomination, for those of you who don't know. In, in the Libertarian Party, we have... Uh, com- the, the delegates uh, choose... Uh, we don't have any such thing as, as, as uh, bound uh, delegates in the Libertarian Party. Uh, the delegates are free to f- vote for whoever, for whoever they want, for both... The president and the vice presidential nomination, it's not, the presidential nominee does not get to choose the VP, the delegates do. And we choose the presidential nominee first, and then we have a totally separate vote for the VP. So Gary Johnson came into the convention having basically picked uh, Bill Weld as his VP choice and essentially wanted the delegates to
0: rubber stamp him. And a lot of the delegates had some reservations about Bill Weld. Well, in part, in part, I think they just they simply some of them simply bristled at a libertarian party presidential candidate walking in with a chosen VP candidate, because that's not the way the party has has traditionally conducting it, conducted itself. Um, I mean, Gary Johnson bringing Bill Weld was in many ways a dream for yeah. the more moderate I mean, libertarians. Works.
1: I believe the word you used was gravitas.
0: Oh, yeah. So Gary Johnson, two-term governor of New Mexico, who came from the world of business; Bill Weld, two-term governor of Massachusetts, who came from the world of law and law enforcement. He had been a federal prosecutor. He had been, you know, deputy U.S. attorney, all sorts of things. Um, he had been a deputy attorney general, I think, under, the, some under the first Bush administration.
1: But yeah. the thing is, a lot of, a lot of the delegates were a little uh, unwell. Skeptical. They they saw it. They kind of wanted a compromise. There they wanted someone like like Larry Sharp or Alicia Dern, somebody who could be the choice from you know yeah. the party.
0: Well, part of the problem was here are these two guys walking in. They're both old white dudes. Both of them are two term Republican governors of very blue states. So they walk in being essentially two cuts of the same suit Um, with similar track records as governors, you know, similar stances on issues. And a lot of members of the party were like, both of you are, are individually too moderate for us. Uh, We want to at least pick somebody who we feel balances you out. And that ended up really circling around so Larry Sharp.
1: So there was a good, you know, like four or five, like like serious contenders for the VP nomination. Alicia was one of them. Uh, Larry Sharp was was the other like big one. Who else was there besides Well Coley? Will yeah, Coley. Will Coley, who's a who was pretty the interesting anarchist Yeah, the anarchist uh, Muslim Southerner, <laughs> really interesting dude, but probably the most uh, uh, radical as far as you oh, know yeah. libertarian of all of them. Uh, Alicia. You know, she was one of the, I believe she was one of the last ones to get up and and give her speech and and shocked everyone when she basically endorsed Weld as she was giving her her speech for the VP nomination. A whole, a gasp went up in the room. She, you know, she was about to give her speech and basically said, you know, Gary, you know, Bill, you know, Bill is, you know, she basically asked him to pledge that he would never go back to being a Republican, that he would be. Loyal right. to the Are libertarian party. Are committed to this party? And, and Bill Weld, like, she invited him to come up to the, to the lectern and he, he, where he publicly, and she turned to the, to the hall and said, okay, everyone, is this, is this going to work for you? I mean, she was really, you know, falling on her own sword. Work, yeah. She wanted to have this kumbaya moment. And by, by essentially pulling out and throwing her support to Weld, she, she gave Weld, I mean, Weld just squeaked by. Oh, essentially, yeah. in the second round of voting, it it was it was way closer than anyone thought it would be, and Gary was really worried. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and and it it was very close in the end because we did two rounds of voting where we had a you know a, a runoff, essentially, and after Alicia dropped out and and you know Weld won, but he didn't have a lot of wiggle room. It was maybe what about fifty votes or so.
0: Yeah, it wasn't even it that was much. Very it was, yeah. Right.
1: And, and but if Alicia, I don't, I'm I'm convinced that that. It, it, that Welds would not have won if Alicia had not done what she did. And that took a lot of balls. She took a lot of flack. I, I can't imagine what that must have been like for her. I oh, mean yeah. that's she really took one for the team and I had so much respect for her that it was not about her, but about what she felt was best for the party and for our, our presidential ticket. That yep. that took guts. And I I I, 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 I Said to myself, you know, right then, it's like, whatever she runs for from now on, I'm, I'm going to support her. Because she's just a high-quality person. You know, the, exactly the kind of person that we want, you know, to represent our party. Oh, well, she... And now she's running against Austin. <laughs> and now she's running against
0: Austin. So great.
1: <laughs> as a libertarian, as he's running as a Republican. I, I think they've both basically shown their true colors. And, man, I hope she kicks his ass. <laughs> Even I mean... though he's got the... You know, the, you know, I mean, it's kind of a cowardly move, really, I think, of if Austin we to run to the GOP because he, I mean, he basically asked a bunch of conservatives, you know, to tell him what he wanted to hear, and they did.
0: If Austin Peterson gets the Republican nomination for senator from Missouri, then I will be tempted to throw something at him because... If he managed to get into the Senate, he could be, in many areas, a strong advocate for liberty in the Senate, which God knows the Senate really needs. But I would much, I would rather have Alicia Dern be that voice. And in particular, with the Senate being so narrow right now, Alicia Dern could be a deciding vote. On a lot of issues, and I would yeah. trust her with that.
1: I mean, I just have a hard time supporting any Republican while Trump is in the White House for a congressional seat. Yeah, that's seat. fair. Just the idea. I mean, to me, maybe I don't know, maybe it's like the, you know, the part of me that's still kind of holding on to the Democratic Party a little. But the idea of, of something of, of voting for a congressional candidate that's gonna help Trump keep a majority in Congress. I mean, if anything, I I I I would try to make the argument that <laughs> You know, if you support liberty, you know, voting for a divided government where, where Trump uh, and doesn't control the the Congress, it might actually be better in the long run. Right. Because I... it could stem some of his authoritarian inclinations. So, so even, not, even though I don't necessarily support everything the Democrats would go for, anything, anyone who's going to keep the Republicans in control, I, I don't see that as a pro-liberty thing. It doesn't mean that I don't. Have some affection for s- certain Republicans who are in the Senate and are, are in Congress. Uh, I certainly have some respect for a handful of them. I mean, it's better than being a neocon, I suppose. But <laughs> I really like Justin Amash. A lot of people do. I mean, I don't like every, I don't really everything, but I mean, he, he it right. certainly beats, you know, <laughs> some of these other clowns that are in the GOP.
0: Yeah, I. Pelosi is just a.
1: I I would really we we need just more people like her. Yeah, you know, in, in
0: government. There, if possible. If I could choose the outcome of two major political races in the coming election, I would absolutely choose to have Alicia Dern elected senator from Missouri, and the other one I would choose is I would choose for the Drum Larry. roll, please. Duh, nah, nah, nah. I would choose to have Larry Sharp elected yes. governor of the state of New York.
1: So Larry Sharp also ran for the VP nomination and was actually the runner-up. He
0: almost beat Weld. Well, he, he came wasn't very close, ju- right? He wasn't just the runner-up. <laughs> every every little faction in the Libertarian Party that did not support Weld, mm-hmm. the radicals, the lefties, mm-hmm. the conservatarians, they all gathered around Larry Sharp. Which is particularly interesting. He's probably the most unifying figure in the libertarian in the libertarian party. party. Yeah, and man, is
1: that guy like really, really persuasive and eloquent. He's just a great communicator. He's he he's the he's like the definition of the slogan "Love, logic, and liberty." He's got all three, and he's got a great personal story. It's just every he's just he's a, he's just a. A great package. I mean, he's like he's some of the he's one of the best you know people we have. You want to talk about Larry's background a little well, bit? Well,
0: he's a you know he's he's a black guy from the Bronx mm-hmm. who came up from you know more or less nothing. Uh, the Marines. Mm-hmm. He was a Marine. Right? He was that. I believe was sort of that was sort of his out his way out of you know the cycle of poverty that is being black and from the Bronx, and now. Uh, you know, from a career in the military to a career in business, he's uh, he's a consultant for New York City area businesses. You know, the kind of like big six-figure consultant kind of deal. Uh, so he's a fina- he's the kind of guy. Who, he's financially comfortable. He's very well connected, and he but he comes from humble roots. And politically speaking, he comes as we do in this room from the left. He is a former Democrat who sort of came into libertarianism. And this is one of the interesting things is at the convention, one of the reasons that people rallied behind Sharp as a VP candidate was as a way to balance out the fact that Gary Johnson was a former Republican. Uh, that there was this feel in the room of if we're going to have someone who was a governor from the Republican Party... Mm-hmm having someone like larry who comes from the democratic party would have been a great balance um and it's really interesting to me that that within the libertarian party there's so much like anti-leftist whatever and yet larry sharp <laughs> just gets a Larry Sharpton just yeah. gets a pass. Well, yeah,
1: and the whole, I mean, you bring up the whole issue of being anti-leftist. It's sort of like, you know, the people who love to rail about Antifa as if they're, like, the biggest threat to... They're everywhere. <laughs> I know. It's like, they're not really that big of a deal. <laughs> they're, but...
0: <laughs> they're violent and absurd, but they're not everywhere. No, they're
1: they are not really, a. <laughs> you would think, they're not exactly an army. <laughs> you know, it's a bunch of... Not yet. <laughs> right. But it, it's it's kind it's it's they're they're a perfect like, you know example like a you know, poster child for everything that, you know, conser- social conservatives hate about
0: the left, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So there there has been it's just a funny thing that there's so there there's a lot of like They were literally your children too. <laughs> there's there's sort of weird anti left wing fear mongering mm-hmm. within the libertarian Party, which I think is mostly being stoked by pro trump internet trolls yep. uh but it's funny for that to be a thing that's happening when, like I just said, Larry Sharp just gets a pass like no one no one questions his authenticity. Because he's so good, we well, you know. And in spite of all the the
1: much you know discussed infighting and bickering that goes on in the LP, one of the things that I like most about being involved in the LP is that it actually brings me together with people who are former Republicans, people who do come from, a, you know, a, a, a you know conservative background, and we end up talking and actually realizing that hey, there are a lot of things we do agree on, and sort of having those two cultures. And that's basically what they are cultures coming yeah. together, and and everyone sort of like, oh well, you're okay. Well, you're you're not really crazy. We both, you know, care about the things that are really important, and and kind of, you know, turning down, yeah, you know, basically dispelling some of that fear of oh the other yeah. side is out to get me, and you know they're they hate me and they're intolerant and they just want to destroy my way of life. Once you get to know you know some of these folks, you realize, oh wow, we are. They're not the other side. We're actually all on the same side, and we're... side of freedom. I mean, yeah, there's things that we're going to disagree about, and we don't. One of the things we agree about in the Libertarian Party is not every, you know, difference that we have, whether it be culture or politics or whatever. That the not not every every not everything not every problem deserves a government imposed solution.
0: Right. Not everything needs to be legislated. One of the beautiful things about libertarianism is that on a fundamental level, it's about letting people live their own lives uh, so long as they're not, you know, hurting other people. It's about tolerance. And,
1: you know, we're all and and one of the things I think Larry and a lot of and Alicia and, and a lot of these, you know, our libertarian strongest libertarian candidates stand for is that you know we can all you know if we work together solve a lot of these problems a lot more effectively <laughs> at our grassroots level than all these pencil-linked politicians can think up with all their endless studies and commissions and taxes and programs that they come yeah. up with
0: larry sharp is first and foremost one of the most excellent communicators, especially communicators of the libertarian message that i've ever heard, and right. in addition to that he's someone who's got a compelling personal story, you know compelling narrative, and he's got uh he's got some some real successes in his life, you know some business acumen, mm-hmm. some life skills perspective yeah that's that's a thing where like he and Alicia both i think are, they're genuine, they're really genuine people who are good at articulating what libertarianism is supposed to be about, and who both have these, you know, compelling, very humanizing stories. They're not just people who walked out of a Fox Business Network (laughs) set and onto a podium. So Chris just to bring you into the
1: conversation. Yeah. Why, as somebody who's just sort of starting to dip your toe into the world of the Libertarian Party. On the
2: outside looking in. You know, yeah,
1: I mean, how, how do you, the, these these figures we were talking about, you know, Austin, you know, Alicia, and, and Larry, what are you, how do you, how do you, does it, what's your take on Does it make you, how does it make you feel about the Libertarian Party? Does it, does, does it make you more interested, enthusiastic, more t- take it more or less seriously? The thing is,
2: I'm having trouble taking the whole thing seriously because it's just like it's sort of like it's you it's the a little bit organized to see like league politics it's it's the um it's the organization problem it's just like you know it's just like it's it's still it still needs to be more organized and you know on message and sure you know, that sort of thing you know, just,
1: but the, but when you the message that they've been good message okay so what is it that you that appeals to you about it? Oh. I, mean, you, I mean, I mean, I mean, you don't necessarily seem like a natural, you know, like libertarian party type of person, necessarily.
2: Well, you know, uh, what appeals to you about about some of these people? Oh, just you know, uh, the whole live and let live aspect of the okay. whole thing. Yeah, no, that's really all I have to say about that. Just I like, mean... you know.
1: I mean, to me, that's what it means to be liberal—to be open-minded and open to new ideas and
2: ways of thinking—and yeah, opposed thi- to
1: that thing dogmatic that... and fundamental.
2: <laughs> yeah, that thing I'm not getting from uh, that thing I'm not getting from you know the establishment.
1: I mean, the my issue with the the Democratic Party these days is it's become you know it, it, they seem more and more like the Republicans all the time in terms of their their attitude towards just oh, ideas.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. There, I mean, this is what. Yeah, they screwed the pooch on that one. This is what pushed me away from being a Democrat in the first place when I was in college, and the the real impression I got when I was in college was you either support a hundred percent of what Obama says and does, or get out. Mm-hmm. And and so my response is like, well, I don't support a hundred percent of what he says and does. Therefore, I guess I should leave. Um even Obama wouldn't tell you that. Yeah, well he'd be a little more artful about it. Right. <laughs> but that was but that was already that was the attitude in grassroots organizations right. then oh, yeah. in like during the 2008 election cycle. Um and then for me I spent more or less 4 years in the political wilderness trying to figure out what I was going to do or be before I was introduced to Gary Johnson. A lot of libertarians talk a lot about Ron Paul 2008 bringing them in. For me it was Gary Johnson 2012 because I wanted I wanted I wanted to find somewhere a politician who could be both compassionate towards other human beings while also wanting to get the federal budget under control and eventually that sucked me into libertarianism. Um, so for me, Larry Sharp and Alicia Dern are even more, more articulate, more marketable versions of the Gary Johnson 2012 message that sucked me in in the first place.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have that. I don't have like that, that one person is just like, you know, I can like, I can like model my political aspirations after and it's just like...
1: I mean, how do you feel in general though about bringing in people both who are former Republicans as well as former Democrats, and it's sort of like cats and dogs living together in a way. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I I gotta admit, Sweet you know, there's ghost part ghost of ghost me ghost that reference. that that when that bristles, especially at the at, at the a lot of you know social conservative ideas. But the fact is to me it's like I, I, can, I can live with people being pro life or whatever as long as that isn't like the main focus of what you're trying to do with government. you know I think we can all agree that abortion is not a, a great you know end game for for anyone
2: i mean I don't think anyone likes the idea of having to get an abortion well just as long as the end effect is just that, yeah just as long as the end effect is that we start listening to each other and well, that, yeah. you know we all end up lightening up for a little bit well, and that the best way to to deal with it is to is to not. You know, use
1: the the long arm of of the government to uh, impose one or the other's will. You know, to find you know ways where we can you know, we can you know work together. I mean, if I, I think everyone would agree that reducing the number of abortions is a good thing, <laughs> the ways to you know prevent them from happening either by preventing unwanted pregnancy or well, that's one of the things that I finding actually... finding alternatives yeah that don't involve you know getting the the government involved and. You know determine
0: making decisions between women and their doctors in in fairness to Austin Peterson, one of the things I like about him is that when he talks about being pro life, he talks about access to contraception mm-hmm. he talks about you know how reducing the number of abortions isn't about you know that's not just about like banning them it's about increasing access to You know, accurate sex education, (laughs) increasing access to contraceptives, like that, if your goal is to reduce the number of (laughs) abortions, you should want those things as well. Well, you know, one thing that
1: doesn't get necessarily emphasized that much, but that, uh, you know, Austin Peterson is an
0: atheist. Right, he's a pro-life atheist, <laughs> yes.
1: which is fascinating. It'll be to me. interesting. To, I mean, and I'm I'm sure they're whoever his opponents hmm. are. Missouri, we'll, eh? Yeah, we'll find. Oh yeah. I, I don't okay. know what they're gonna make of him. You know, he's got he's a weird. Yeah, you know, I mean, I there's part. Of, I have a little what, bit of. Did affection. he win the primary? I know I've been trash talking. No, the primary hasn't even happened yet. Okay, I mean, so this is next they're year. Just, they're
0: this just is getting this rolling. Year.
1: Yeah, uh, this is the twenty eighteen, right. Oh, so the I'm primary's even, gonna I'm happen even, probably oh, next yeah. summer sometime. Right. Maybe. We all we I'm all have, have
2: time. time. I'm not even like paying attention to what date it is.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's next year. We all have time <laughs> to uh we all have time to rent an apartment in St. Louis, re register <laughs> to vote. <laughs> well yeah and know, then every, all vote for a Well anyone who wants to run for, you know, like
1: statewide or federal office next year, they have to be getting their ducks in a row right now.
0: Well um, and well that's a that's a good point to mention okay. that uh can we go to Kansas
1: City? <laughs> uh,
0: why, why do we prefer Kansas City over St. Louis? I don't know. I saw a movie. I'll tell you that later. <laughs> uh, next, next week, we're going to have a very special guest on our show. Mm. Michelle Darnell. Yes, a former Republican. <laughs> a former Republican. Who's run for office as a Republican
1: and a Libertarian.
0: Right, well, she, she ran... She's scheduled. Hopefully it'll work out. She ran for state rep once as a Republican against Cyrus Habib. Then she ran again in the last cycle. You might want to tell people what uh what jurisdiction we're talking about here. We're talking about washington state's forty eighth legislative district, which is a sort of big chunk of Bellevue plus Kirkland, Redmond, and the point cities. Okay. It's where I ran so this is we're talking about a state legislative a state, state state house right so she ran for state House once as a Republican against Cyrus Habib, who is now lieutenant governor of washington mm-hmm. and then last year. She and I both ran, because it's two positions you in every did, really? legislative district. You ran for office, Ben? I had no I idea. Did. I did. <laughs> she and I both ran for state house last year for the two positions in the 48th legislative district. She ran against Patty Cooterer. I ran against Joan McBride. We ended up with uh, similar results. <laughs> Michelle did get somewhat more votes than I did. Not uh, a lot more, but a little bit more. I mean, for the amount of effort she <clears throat> put in, she, so you would now, think she not. Uh so now uh we have a special election. The state senator, and there was one per legislative district, the state senator who represents uh our legislative district, who is again Cyrus Habib, has just become Lieutenant Governor. Uh and as a consequence that seat was opened up, and Patty Cooterer, who Michelle had previously run against, was essentially promoted up into the position. So now Michelle's challenging her again this time for state Senate. So it's a special election. And again, Michelle's running as a libertarian. It looks like uh, there will be a, a decent handful of people running in this race, including, it would appear, uh, an anti-Patty Cooter Democrat running as a Republican. <laughs> like, it's a whole to-do. Um, I'd like to hear more about the whole thing. Yeah, well we're going to have her next week so we can drill her a little and you know I guess her and her campaign can be one of our topics uh possibly. I don't know, listeners. <laughs> give us some feedback. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you want to hear yeah, from here. an actual person. Yeah, if you actually want an actual statement. Of if office. anyone's actually
2: I should actually. Okay, well, um, I should actually stop here and, like, actually, like, you know, we do have an email address and a Twitter account. Didn't you know that? Oh, we do? Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, I knew that. Yeah, so here it is uh, precious Snowflakes at Villareality.com. That's V I L L A R E A L I T Y.com. Yeah, it was really easy to get. Because I own that domain. Um, and uh, what's the Twitter account? Well, it's at Precious Flake. <laughs>
1: um, I mean, how is it? you kind there, of caught me off
0: guard? I wasn't. You that. can't
2: because you, <laughs> you can't because Twitter account names
0: are short. Precious um, no Flake's again? Yes, that's um, not we, Jeff we, Flake's we double, daughter. Let me double check the spelling. Out that, that is I our Twitter account. Mm-hmm.
1: What? How is it spelled, actually, Chris? Um,
0: Precious Flake.
1: Is it F L A K E or
2: F L
0: A K E? Let
1: me double check that.
0: Off yeah, it's at
2: precious flake. At precious flake. Yeah. Yeah, so. We
1: have two followers, I think, me and Ben,
2: right? Or you and, me and Chris? Toot toot! Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, tweet us or email us, or uh, the Facebook page is also good.
1: Anyways. Anyway, as we were saying, um, did you want to talk about anything else, or I don't
2: know? I think Colbert pretty much has the Trump thing covered. Mm-hmm. What's our What's our time at? Mm, it's uh, fifty-two fifty. I think it's actually a pretty good episode,
1: you know, so far.
0: Well, let's ruin it. Um, <laughs> I mean, a big message here. I would say, if anyone's interested in these people in their names, Google them. Austin Peterson with an E, not an O. Uh, Alicia Dern, D-E-A-R-N, and Larry Sharp with an E at the end. Uh, so Alicia Dern for Missouri, Larry Sharp for New York, and Austin Peterson for Missouri. Uh, yeah, they are fascinating individuals and fun. I mean, there, there are going to be some interesting races to watch. There's also... Uh, for those of you who are interested in sort of where the libertarian party is at vis-a-vis big elections, these aren't particularly big, but they're important to us. Uh, Laura Ebke, who I think is a state rep equivalent in, I want to say Kansas, uh, was a Republican. She switched to the libertarian party this year and is now running for reelection as a libertarian. We've got, uh, Three or four now state assemblymen, I want to say, or whatever, in New Hampshire, a couple who are former Republicans, and at least one who's a former Democrat, who all switched in the last couple of months. Hmm. So this, this year's election cycle is going to be actually really interesting for us. We're going to have a handful of incumbents running for little state races that are important, uh, as well as a handful of these really big, high-profile races in the cases of Alicia and Larry, who are within the party very high profile, and hopefully will become so outside the party as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. that sounds great. Because the thing is, I remember, remember it's just like you were like going after president first, and it was just like, no, oh, what? Probably more. And then probably putting the cart before the horse there. And it's really good to see you going after,
0: you know, the the local and state races. Yeah. that's that's the perpetual challenge is that uh people don't want to vote for libertarian presidential candidates because they're like meh you're not a real party uh but then they don't vote for the local ones either because they're like meh you only run wing nuts (laughs) it's really important that the libertarian party is running i think it's really important that we're running people all up and down the ticket from the lowest possible races to the highest possible races All the time. I mean, and I think the party knows this. There's a lot of talk about candidate recruitment, which is how I ended up getting my arm twisted into it last year. You know, a lot of talk about candidate recruitment, about grabbing people, anyone who's willing to put, just even to put their name on a ballot. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when we do run into people who are, in the case of these people in New Hampshire and Laura Ebke, who are incumbents who have switched parties, or in the cases of Larry Sharp and Alicia Dern who are sort of high profile and may be able to bring in some real money, uh, and some real support. Those are real gets for us because the more of, we spend so much time trying to get as many candidates as possible that when we get ones who are appropriately experienced, who are high quality, who know how to articulate a libertarian message really well, we end up just salivating over them because, hmm. you know, we need these people. We need quality and quantity. Yep. I couldn't agree more.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Well then, I think we should... Let's not ruin everything
0: and talk about Trump. <laughs> another time. Another time. We'll see how... That's pretty um, much going to be your tagline Fre- for Fre- every episode. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like no, talking about Fredo. <laughs> That's
2: funny. I'm smart. I'm Michael. smart. I'm smart, Michael. Wait, I deserve g- respect.
0: Is this going to be like Matt Damon? <laughs> <laughs> like we don't have enough time. We don't have enough oh, time on this show. Do. We're sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> sorry. Uh,
1: is 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 Donny Junior the, the the Fredo of the Trump family?
0: I mean, uh, for I the perspective it. for the perspective of betrayal or banging cocktail waitresses two at a time. Because... Just there? being
1: an all-around fuck-up.
0: Oh, Who the hell... Is, oh, oh, oh God, yeah, I guess, No, 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 no. <laughs> <It's> Okay. <Anyways.
2: laughs> oh, sorry. People okay. pick the
1: perfect time to call me. <laughs> That's
2: okay. Oh, uh, should we wrap it up?
1: Yeah, let's do so.
2: All right. That is... That was the third... That's
1: it? 14th, 14th, 14th. episode... Wow, we've done 14th. Yeah. Episode of Precious Snowflakes.
2: Okay, well... Um, Have a great weekend, everybody. Who are you? I'm Chris Villarreal.
0: I'm Ben Phelps. And I'm Lilius Rose. And And we we are are your precious Precious Snowflakes. snowflakes. Good night. Good night, everyone.
1: Good night.